Jen. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Hang In There with Jen and Jess. Together, we talk about practicing patience as we parent teenagers. We're hoping to help you connect with your teen, with your community, and with your faith by finding peace and build a community that hangs in there together. Hi there. Welcome to Hang In There with Jen and Jess. So today our format is going to be uh, Jen and I, and we're going to be talking about motivational interviewing. Yeah, this is something that I've studied in evidence-based practice with some of the the programs that we um, use in prevention science. And Jess has also used this a lot in her therapy practice. So there's some really important and good practices and guidelines that we can use even as parents to kind of work with our teens. Um, So one of the interesting things about teenagers is developmentally, they are working towards independence. They're trying to kind of break away. The goal is that by the time they turn 18 or so, they're breaking away from us and, and going to be more independent. And so one of the things that we can do to learn to guide them during their teenage years is use some of these principles of motivational interviewing. So here's the four we're going to talk about today. The first is empathy and acceptance. The next is building discrepancies or contrasts. The third is avoiding conflict. And the fourth is supporting optimism. So Jess, do you want to start out and talk about maybe how you build empathy and acceptance? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's important to keep in mind is that with younger children, you can use behaviorist kind of principles, you can use rewards, punishments, and that kind of thing. But the reason that this is so effective for older children and young adults when you're helping your young adult children is that this is uh, encouraging them to use the skills they already have and encouraging them to use their brain to figure things out versus us coming up with answers or rewards or punishments for them. So empathy is a, a good thing to use with anyone, obviously even younger children or with people that we're close to. Um, So empathy meaning that you meet your child where they're at, that you try to understand where they're coming from, and that you reflect back some of the emotions that you see them having and some of the experiences they're having. So one of the things that parents can often fall into as a trap is they will um, try to problem solve for their children and try to... um, come up with some solutions for them before they're actually ready to come up with solutions. So rather than doing that, if you can provide empathy and help them feel like they have a sounding board and someone will listen to them, that can help them to come up with their own solutions. Yeah, absolutely. I've found as my kids get older, sometimes they make decisions that I don't agree with, or they have opinions that I don't agree with. And one of the things that I've struggled with a little bit, to be honest, is that I, it's, it's better for my self-esteem or my pride if they fall in line with the way that I think so that I can show that off to other people. (laughs) And I had to really work on my acceptance and say, I'm okay with my, my child being different um, or having a different opinion than I have um, and accepting where they're at with their decision-making and their life and their viewpoints, knowing that 
I have to encourage a healthy outcome, but sometimes it doesn't have to be my way. Absolutely. And that can happen a lot with families when um, kids will want to make decisions about what activities they'll participate in. Perhaps your family has always been into drama. You know, all the kids have participated in plays and music and that kind of thing. And then a child comes up that just really doesn't want to. They want to do something else. And, and so one way you can encourage that individuality and that, that desire for um, doing things outside of the household is just encouraging whatever interests kids have and trying to mm-hmm. be there for them as they navigate those rocky waters of activities outside the home. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about this during the holidays when we talked about, like, I used to love taking our kids all out to do caroling. Well, my youngest does not like to carol and we've had to come up with other traditions to celebrate the the holidays. And so that's meant a shift on, on my part. Absolutely. Let's talk about discrepancies. This is, it's, it's a word that we don't usually use in parenting. So maybe we need to start out by kind of defining discrepancies. How do you think about that? I think of discrepancies when I think of um, goal setting is a good way to think about it. So um, teens will have goals, sometimes lofty, sometimes small, um, like going to college or being in a band or um, all kinds of things that they kind of have dreamed up and thought of. And so that might be a, a, a goal or something that they might be thinking of. And then a discrepancy would be the activities that they do that kind of pull them away from that goal. So perhaps they um, use a lot of time on YouTube or on video games, or um, they don't actually do their homework, but they really want to go to college. Those would be discrepancies. So there's like the one hand and then there's the other hand and there's such a difference in a chasm. So um, yeah, that's how I think of discrepancies. So we were talking before we started recording here about, uh, per, for example, video gaming. And I'm thinking about motivational interviewing and video gaming. As a parent, um, a lot of times my reaction has been to deal with this with house rules and with uh, limits. And I, I, I don't want to, I really don't think it's appropriate to throw those away, especially for younger teens. For but sure. how could we apply this idea of discrepancies? to a teenager who's really into video gaming and maybe is putting aside some of their goals that they have in life? Yeah, that's a great question. And and the reason why you, I love that you highlighted the difference between younger teens and older teens is it's good as we think the closer our child gets to moving out of the house, if we think about they're going to move out and do whatever they want. (laughs) So if we haven't taught them some good coping skills and some good problem solving skills before they leave the house, then, then they're not really ready. If it's only right. based on parents' rules that they're doing what they need to do, then when they get out of the house, they'll, they'll do what they've wanted to do all along. Yeah. And so when you think of trying to um, highlight discrepancies for someone who does a lot of video gaming, you can say things like when your teen says, oh, I just didn't have any time to study for the test. You can highlight the word anytime. Like you can say, oh, really? You, anytime? And well, I had some time, but you know, I also did X, Y, I did play the video game for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got to have downtime and not shaming. So that's where parents can get into some hard times with their teens is they can say like, oh, you are so wrong. I watched you play. You played all day long. You weren't actually doing anything. Um, 
So when you get into that shaming, usually what teens do is they run the other direction. <laughs> They're like, yeah. and they, they know, right? Like they know they could have been studying with that time. So if you just gently point out the contrast, then that's yeah. usually enough, right? Like we don't have Absolutely. to go into the shame or blame. Right. Right. And so if you instead are saying like, oh, it's hard. You really do need downtime. You've got a lot on your plate. Things are hard at school. Things are hard at work. It's it's a lot sometimes. And then the teen can go, yeah. And they in their head, they can also listen to the butt part. <laughs> right. You don't need to provide the butt part. It's clear. That's the empathy, right? <laughs> right? You can empathize with them, but you're also kind of pointing out the contrast between what they could have done and what they did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. This actually reminds me of uh, an evidence-based program that I worked with for a couple of years. It was called Teen Intervene. And the goal of that program was to get students to really think about high school students, really to think about their goals in life and problem solve to uh, overcome their challenges. And one of the things that we would use is this motivational interviewing by asking them about their goals for the future. And then if they're, they weren't living daily according to what they wanted for the future, just gently pointing that out and creating that contrast, like, oh yeah, what would you need to be doing? You know, what are the same things you need to be doing to be able to go to college, for example, or to be able to get that, you know, mechanic uh, certificate or whatever it is that their goal is. Um, and so then really kind of getting them to think about, okay, how much do I want that goal for the future? Right. And, and sometimes pointing out where they're at. Yeah. And sometimes it highlights that, boy, maybe I don't want that thing as much as I thought I did. Maybe I want something else. And, you know, the teenagers really are about that self-discovery and exploration. Like perhaps you're taking all these honors classes that are, are really difficult for you and you're not enjoying them. You keep doing it, but you also aren't spending the time you need to, because it's just not a passion. It's not something yeah. you want to do. You don't want to go to college. Maybe you want to do the trade school. Yeah. Um, and so just allowing your kids that experience and opportunity to think through goals in a way that isn't shaming, mm, and it, it can help them grow. One of the things that you're saying that I think is so important is it's not so much about the end goal, although we're getting them to think about the end goal. It's more about the process of problem solving and weighing pros and cons of, of how you're prioritizing your time. And right. it's really more about the process of teaching them to think about how they're using their time every day. And if that's, you know, and helping them gently motivating them towards some of the the goals, short-term and long-term that they're interested in. Yeah, I think so. And and when you think about trying to prepare an adult, those are skills that every adult needs. Like you need to be able to prioritize your time. Most jobs, um, I would say at least 50% of jobs, your, your time is kind of you know, you, you decide how hard of a worker you are, you decide what kind of employee you are, mm-hmm. um, and you want your kids to choose well, <laughs> you want them to be that productive member society that, mm-hmm. that is doing good things, no matter what their job is. And especially the younger teens may have some outrageous goals that maybe aren't super realistic, like, you know, becoming a famous movie star or becoming a YouTuber. And it's discouraging them from those outrageous goals. Is it is, is losing an opportunity to teach them about working towards a goal. So yeah. if you want to become a YouTuber, what are some of the things you need to learn? 
you need to learn how to edit videos. What would be the steps towards learning to do that? Or how much would you like to learn to do that? And I think it's more about using those motivations as an opportunity to learn kind of daily time use and small goal steps rather than actually the end goal. And if they get to some of those awesome end goals, fabulous. But if not, they've learned goals and steps along the way. Right. And they learn how to research things and try to figure out things so that they, that just thinking about a goal doesn't actually prepare you for it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about avoiding conflict. And you've kind of hinted at this a little bit, right? Like one of the problems that teens and parents get into is they're conflicting about what a teen should be doing at any given moment. So <laughs> how do parents avoid that? What do you tell parents when, when they're in um, a therapy session? I would say empathy is the, the best thing to fight that conflict with. Um, and so if you're, um, there are some people whose personalities sometimes argumentation kind of argument being argumentative can wake up that part of their brain and it can make them um they get kind of a buzz off of it i don't know if you've met people like that but sometimes our teens can get into those patterns where they by arguing they they're getting energy and they're engaging you and they think it's kind of cool that sometimes they win (laughs) whatever that means (laughs) and so um so, so being argumentative, the thing that, that breaks that down is to say, oh, you just made a really good point. Thank you for that. That can totally shut things down. Even if it's something you're not sure you agree with, your mm-hmm. kid probably makes good points all the time. So that's mm-hmm. a good way to, 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 to break down an, uh, a confrontation that you're having mm-hmm. um, is to clearly listen so that you can actually respond in a way that you're, sounds like you're listening versus trying to defend your position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of one of the biggest tips is just empathy, just like really tuning in, really listening and and providing empathy and and being a sounding board. Even if they want to engage you, it's hard to engage somebody that's being kind to you. Right. I always think of this idea of striking a tone of curiosity. Mm. Oh, I'm curious. Tell me more about why you think that. And, and, and showing kind of a respect. And what that also does is give them a chance to lay out their reasoning Mm -hmm. and they may find that those discrepancies or those, um, you know, contrasts themselves as they lay out their reasoning for you. But if you're listening, then you can guide them really motivational interview interviewing, isn't getting them to follow the way you're thinking. And it's not completely, um, being passive. It's really kind of striking a middle ground and giving them gentle guidance. Right. Or even, is there anything on the other side of that? That's kind of a good way to come across it. Instead of you looking up articles and telling them that they're wrong about their viewpoints or about the news that they're listening to, asking if there's any alternative ways of thinking, like, huh, I haven't thought about it that way. Is there any, like, anybody on the other side of that? Because I'm just curious. Yeah. Is helpful. And then you can get them to make your arguments. <laughs> right. <Maybe. laughs> if you, right. And maybe not, maybe they'll find yeah. all the reasons why the other side is wrong of whatever they're thinking about. Um, and sometimes some of the things they think about are so outlandish and you think like, I can't join with you on this, but it isn't your job to join with them on everything that they come up with. And yeah. I think that that curiosity thing combined with, with empathy, both of those things are really important in parenting a teenager. Yeah. And 
And you can use these on relatives who don't agree with you politically, co-workers who are always trying to do a got you. These, these skills could be used all over the place, right? <laughs> right. Definitely. How about supporting optimism? This is one of the, the positive emotions that we talk about in our book, Parenting Teens in Stressful Times. And so I love that this is part of the, the motivational interviewing guidelines or principles, because I think supporting optimism in today's world is a critical skill. Absolutely. I would say supporting optimism means that you look for opportunities. So perhaps they're having kind of a hard time, but somebody does something nice. Just highlighting it, Mm -hmm. highlighting any times where they see the world as a positive place or a teacher or a leader or anything like that, just kind of highlighting it, looking for good news, talking about good news without being... um, one of, one of the compliments one of my children received one time that was my favorite was um, that she was optimistic without being Pollyanna-y. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to be a Pollyanna. And it's it's hard in today's world, you would come off as fake news in a heartbeat, right? Teen- totally. Teenagers have a kind of a scan for hypocrisy or, or right. fakeness and they, they don't like it. So being genuine about I always think about the idea of catching them being good. And this is catching them being optimistic and and just kind of giving them a little extra attention for that and, and highlighting that optimism. And that might be about their goals too, right? Like if they make a goal to, um, you know, to get headshots because they want to be a model, or if they make a goal and, and they're, they're making that appointment or they're, they're looking into it like, Oh, that's awesome that you're working towards your goal. Um, or, yeah. Like any little steps towards it, like, oh, wow. Like, even if you see them just in the mire of it, you know, they're yeah. just not doing any of the things you thought they should be doing at this stage of their life. You really mm-hmm. thought they'd be in a different spot. Constantly telling yourself your kid has this, they'll get it figured out. I have loved them from the time they were born, maybe before, like this mm-hmm. feeling like this, this human is incredible and they will figure it out. And, and having that in your head over and yeah. over again, yeah. I think is so important when you're trying to parent. So not only highlighting the times when your teen is optimistic, but being optimistic yourself and really watching that gauge. And I, one of the things that I would say is, is such a good idea if you're really struggling with that concept of being optimistic about your teen is mm-hmm. to get some help. I, I think yeah. it's so hard to... Um, to talk to friends and people who know your child well about them is so not good. They need, they need the people around them to think optimistically about them. And so getting into some counseling or getting some help where you can talk to someone honestly about the feelings you're having as they are differentiating and they're making choices you're concerned about Mm -hmm. and then um, getting support and ideas for compassion and for connection, I think is really Mm -hmm. important. Yeah. And, and this is a point that you make in the book too, that, we need to be reframing our negative stories about our teens. So, and catching them being optimistic helps us to look for the positive things that they're doing. And this is something that we do all the time in evidence-based programming with parents is, um, is, is praising them for the, the good that they are doing, seeing the positive in them. And that does, it helps us to reframe our, our negative stories. So, but you make a good point. There's times that we are so, um, feeling so dark that it's hard to do that alone and getting help can be helpful for that. Absolutely. So um, I guess my last thought about motivational interviewing is that overall 
This is a technique that instead of giving them external guidelines where punishments and rewards, you're trying to encourage internal motivation in, in your teens. And as they get older, that is so critical because you're not going to be there in a few years to give them rewards and punishment. They have, it has to come from within. And so these guidelines help teens develop the motivation internally. Anything else about optimism or motivational interviewing? I would just say, um, just as a parting thought, be optimistic about yourself. You have, you know, anyone who is listening to a podcast about parenting clearly is trying to parent well, and they're trying to figure things out. And so be gentle with yourself. You are trying and that's where it matters is when we're trying to connect with our teen, when we're trying to make good choices about how we parent, we do better. Um, yeah, that's we're being part of why we wrote this book is that it has helped us to do better because we we focus on skills and we we try to think about what we can do better. And um, so be gentle with yourself and be optimistic about the parent that you are becoming. I love that. And I love that that's like a constant jumpy that I get to hear from you all the time. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to let you know about an upcoming conference that we are a part of. There's a group of amazing women who are going to be there with us presenting, and the conference is called Find Your Voice, and it's in Sandy, Utah on May 7th. And if you would like to learn more about motivational interviewing, we're going to be linking some resources in our newsletter. You can sign up for our newsletter on jenjess.com. Thanks, and until next time, hang in there.